Hello, I'm Mark O'Connor, head of the international tech sector at DLA Piper, and you join us for our latest instalment looking at the findings of our tech index. And in particular today, we're taking a dive into the corporate world with a look at tech M&A in the tech sector. I'm delighted to be joined by two of my friends and colleagues, Ed Griffiths, the head of our private equity practice across Europe, and Omar Kabaz, who's the head of business advisory for UK and Europe. Guys, thanks so much for joining me to talk about this, as I say, into a deeper dive into all things corporate. Now, corporate transactions in the last three, four years have been absolutely dominated in the, uh, by technology transactions. So the, the tech sector in the corporate sense has, has been very much in rude health. But our tech index has shown a little bit of a cooling off in the last year or so. Um, the optimism shown more generally in the tech index findings is a little bit less in the corporate field, perhaps to do with the access to funds or other trends that um, I'm not so aware of. So can we come to you first, perhaps Ed, on that? What are you seeing now in 2023 in terms of volumes and types of deals? Well, it, 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 the volumes of deals are down across, across the market. So if you look at the bulge bracket deals, sort of billion plus, there is undoubtedly a lack of debt and that that, that is driving uh, difficult pricing discussions because people don't want to realize at, at prices which are not supported by you know the, the sort of typical debt package that you'd look for that's tracked back down right through to early stages um, you know tech investments where people aren't seeing the incremental growth opportunities and deal deal values are suppressed right down at those levels so deal multiples where you might be doing investment rounds have come down very very significantly and in response rather than people adjusting and saying actually I'm going to take money at that sort of price point people are saying well actually um, I'll pause I'll bootstrap I will do my very best not to take money now and work out when the markets might come back on uh, you know prior to the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank um, I think people had seen the green shoots emerging you know optimistically we had thought you know maybe H2 I think realistically and certainly very recently with some more uh, difficult news in the US debt markets, Q3 is the first time that people will be looking to say actually we can go to market again with a realistic, realistic expectation around debt capacity in markets to fund buyouts. And I've, I've seen that too with um, organisations we've, we've met who uh, have, have complained frankly that were this two, three, four years ago they would have been off and running with their funding funding rounds. Are there any subsectors within tech that you're seeing that are a little bit more healthy than others? Well, was well, it across the, the piece? The craze around AI. I mean, obviously, uh, and I'm, I'm hesitant to call that a craze because actually, you know, we, we are undoubtedly seeing a step change as you'll be able to comment in more detail than I could. But realistically, there is an opportunity there which people have seen. You know, there's a bit of a gold rush going on, but when you've got people like Bill Gates differentiating it as one of the two key things things he's seen in his lifetime, you're thinking actually people are not blind to that. So that's attracting a lot of excitement and, and really big sums of money being pushed into it because it demands big investment. Large language models are, are just a different scale of investment. So you bring something like that, some sort of you know, turbocharged factor like AI, generative AI in particular, and then you base that, and coming across to you, Emma, perhaps you base that in the normal corporate field. Um, so why would corporates be looking to do a transaction at all at, at this time for, for, these sort of, for this sort of technology? Yeah, I think um, these sorts of technologies, uh, speaking about AI or natural uh, language processing, 
those kind of technologies can really become a step change in the offering of any organisation. And we've seen a number of clients that have actually uh, completed M&A transactions in the tech space, primarily to gain access to those new technologies and then bundle them up with their existing proposition so that they've got that differentiator there in the marketplace. And it's not only that clients are excited about AI and, and, and in this example, that one of our more recent examples, NLP, it's actually the fact that it actually enables the existing solution or the existing proposition to actually be better and deliver more to the client and it's those, uh, those, uh, incre that increased uh, delivery of value that the clients are all after. And then obviously our corporate clients are very excited about taking a market. And that's, that's all got to do with access to that technology in a really rapid sense. Um, sometimes we find our clients are a little bit behind the eight ball mm -hmm. and they need to go to acquisitions to bring it in as soon as possible and be a market leader in that space. So that's the, the sort of the motivations. Are you seeing that too, Ed? Does, does, do the motivations for, for deal types vary across the world, perhaps? I'm not sure across the world. I mean, I, I think within, if we focus again back on AI, there is such a focus on a few individuals who are, who are gener generally disruptive and generating so much more product than anybody else. There's, there's been very interesting recent studies come out about who is really leading the charge. And it's a tiny fraction of the researchers who are doing that. And I suspect there's lots of businesses out there thinking we need some of that bandwidth and capacity and frankly if there's an ancillary cost to it so be it and that's an entirely legitimate but you know strategy we've seen people being redeployed across businesses recently there's been a very high profile move at Google where they have redeployed some of the DeepMind team you know it, it's fascinating how those people are being integrated and that was a that was a deal that went through maybe four or five years ago and you can now see that tracking through into sort of mainstream you know business as a whole from being operated largely as a siloed business. So a slightly evolving strategy, perhaps. Someone tell me if this has always been the way, but this feeling that there are, there are those with the big brains who can run the algorithms who are now looking that much more attractive. Um, and so it, is, it, are you seeing quite a lot of you know, people acquisition, buying the company to get the people more than perhaps previously? Uh, certainly interest, but finding those, uh, identifying where the value sits within the business, uh, really understanding who these people are, because it can be quite, you know, it's not necessarily the, the, the founder, it could actually be, you know, somebody quite deeply buried in the business who has actually, has got that sort of magic capacity to do things which are different. Um, so yeah, I think there's an opportunity there, but you know, there's obviously a broad, much broader set of tech deals that are, that are going on. You know, whether it's software as a service, those sorts of things, and, and I think it's it's dangerous to get too uh, AI is at the aberrant end of the model at the moment. I, I think as a market as a whole, we are still in quite suppressed times. So, so many organisations um, are looking at uh, the corporate world as ways to succeed in the tech sector. I'm conscious I use tech M&A as a, as, a, as, a, as a panacea phrase, but I'm sure it's far more nuanced than that, um, whether we're looking at JVs or looking at IP or looking at Aquahire or whatever it may be. Omar, coming across to you first, what sort of things are you seeing more specifically in terms of ways that organisations are seeking to, to ride the wave of the tech sector? Yeah, um, we're seeing uh, of recent times uh, a more of a propensity to adopt a JV approach uh, to, which enables the client to spread their uh, available capital a little bit more broadly, put, uh, not have all their eggs in a single basket, and that gives them access to emerging technologies across a number of entities, and then you know, with a view to picking the right one and then going all in on that one once it starts to, to bear fruit. Um, you know, we, we, we speak about aqua hire um, and the, 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 the benefits 
of being at, getting access, and I think we touched on it earlier, getting access to capability and, and resources through an acquisition, um, primarily having those key, uh, those, those drivers, those innovators, access to those kind of people um, within the target organisation through you know, that acquire type strategy. And Ed, is, are you seeing that too? You know, still seeing as many you know, straight by the company deals, or is it actually, as I say, more nuanced than that? Looking at the IP within it, uh, IP within it to, to an extent. I mean, in the old world, we spent an awful lot of time worrying about open source, but you know, you know, you could do endless backlog audits, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, to try and get to that nub of that. Both on the sell side and on the buy side, there is a great level of comfort. You, you, you speak to the CTOs now, and there is a, a level of sophistication in the way that they will handle those question marks. So, so we don't spend as much time on the pure IP ourselves as lawyers, but I'm sure the clients are absolutely looking out for that kernel of unique value. Um, what we are seeing, I suppose, is a, a, there are non-traditional tech players playing at tech. So if you look at any of the big four, lots of people are sort of doing effectively in, in internal corporate venturing exercises, building out business units, building out opportunities, tech-based opportunities, potentially looking to spin those out over, over time. I was very interested on the tech survey, it's it sort of slightly counterintuitively, um, defensive acquisitions, people going out and, you know, th th there's a lot of excitement amongst the regulators around uh, whether or not companies are effectively buying companies to kill off competition in the future, or, or actually aren't they buying companies to build out their own strategy and capacity. Um, and, and so there's been there's been a sort of lot of commentary in the press, I think, around how regulators may be more sensitive to that. Query with that that that, that really has changed. Has to, uh, you know people have always bought companies with positive and sort of you know defensive strategies built into those acquisition decisions. So both in, both ends of the telescope, as you say, the uh, the positive uh, acquisition strategy, the negative, should we call it that, to you know fend off. Uh, uh, build the walls against uh, the, the competitors and also that piece you're saying in terms of uh, sort of ventures, ventures within organisations, digital ventures. We, we, we've discussed a little bit of that in the telecoms field, in, in professional services. So what's happening? Are they, are they splitting their brand and creating a an internal incubator or something like that? Well, I think they've got different approaches. I think some people have gone down the internal incubator models, but some people are, are, are leaving businesses actually just with a bit more freedom, creating business units, which there's a, I think, Omar, there's a difference between a sort of fully-fledged incubator, which is really trying to build up from scratch and otherwise identifying a business that may already be there but is rebadging it potentially with a view to externalising it. You know, there's a lot of trapped value in those businesses, which, you know, I mean, we'll go on to this, but the, the, the biggest challenge, I think, in M&A, tech M&A in particular, is the integration piece. You've got radically different cultures and organisations. It's all very well buying this thing, but if it doesn't meld well with your existing business, you can forget it if it, if it loses sponsorship in the six months, 12 months afterwards because the executive lead in the deal has either moved on or moved on to different targets, whatever. The likelihood of that really succeeding and really adding value, probably limited. Well, let's get on to that, shall we, guys? And that, that, that piece around the integration or the or the or getting rid of you know, the disintegration, the, the the pulling the spaghetti apart that we've seen where big tech has bought you know, WhatsApp or if it may be, or in reverse, you know, the IBM Kindrel, which was hugely written about in the last few years. What are what are those difficult um, and key points to focus upon in any post acquisition stage? Omar, what's your, what's your perspective? Well, we're big, we're big believers that. Uh Integration is where, if a, if an organ, uh, sorry, if a transaction doesn't achieve the value accretion that it was 
always intended to, you're always going to find areas of the integration that cause that, that loss of value. Um, integration uh, can, is everything, basically. It can be culture. We spoke, you know, you've spoken about culture, Ed. Uh, we can talk about systems, which are always, you know, a, a, a challenge, uh, let alone when you're trying to do it at pace, at speed, trying to get the integration in to build the, uh, well, if the case was around uh, cost reduction, want to get those uh, those synergies in place, or if it's about taking something to market really quickly in order to get the jump on competitors, again, speed is of, of the essence and, and systems integration is always difficult in the best of times. We speak about data security, um, cyber security, uh, data protection, all those things, you know, that are so important, but yet so difficult, especially if they're not well planned in advance for uh, when things go wrong, um, your reputational risk is, is massive. Not only that, all of a sudden you've got the regulators looking at it to see what went wrong. And they're the kind of things you don't want because they're the things that will trip you up and you'll lose that, uh, the, uh, the pace, the speed of the deal, um, integration, and then you start to see the value uh, dissipate. So the value proposition's died. I mean, Ed, come in as well. Where, where do you see the, let's talk negative for a minute, where do you see these things go wrong? Well, it's interesting. I think that if there's anything, in private equity world, we've seen a rash of bolt-ons. Bolt-ons tend to be smaller scale. They're building through, you know, sequential acquisitions, deal arbitrage. You know, you can trade something at a small level at X times, and it's usually X plus Y once that EBITDA is integrated into a bigger business. I think we've seen the same with tech corporate players. There's been a, a, a intense. The pace has upped. People are looking at smaller deals. Smaller deals mean you don't have massively bigger. Um, strategy teams. The strategy teams are being asked to identify opportunities, transact, and then integrate, and they're getting pulled all over the place in reality. So it, it is really, really challenging when you've got that. It's not the lack of focus, it's just the impossibility of covering all of the bases. And so having a well-mapped process to do that, um, having a, a way to test the thesis, you know, is it working? If it's not working, how are we refining it to almost, you know, rapidly? It's got to be done really quickly because you can't have six months of lost time because you've probably killed the acquisition in the process. And mapping that process, having a having having a proper methodology behind it. What's um, I, I'd put you on the spot, Omar, if I can. But what's what's at the tip of the spear? Where what, what would be the primary piece to get right amongst all the other pieces of that methodology? I think it's actually understanding you know the enormity of what you're trying to do. M and A in itself is probably one of the most challenging things an organisation will will embark upon. There are great rewards if everything goes well, but there are also uh, you know, great challenges and, and some downside if things don't go to plan. So we talk about preparedness, we talk about awareness and understanding what you're actually undertaking. Um, we have uh, uh, some uh, services that we offer, which is around understanding the, the, the gamut of everything that you need to undertake, understanding your readiness, is, do you have the right capability, the capacity in place? Having all those things in place is extremely important. And to Ed's point, a lot of organisations try to do everything um, around an M&A deal with existing internal resources, and that is sometimes impossible. And what you do see is you know, that lack of um, delivery and quality. Something gets missed, and all of a sudden it, it blows up in your face and, and ends up costing you money and, and damaging the, the whole, the whole uh, deal thesis and the delivery of that, um, that value. So we talked a bit about IP there as being a problem and open source, as you say, that has become more 
familiar. Yeah. So what are, what are the challenges now in the deals you're working on and in the next few years? Where's the points of focus do you think going to be? Uh, so so, so on, on the sort of very, very practical end, you know, obviously people are in, the, in the tech community are sort of cross-border. They, they, they look across-border, but, but the, the world has not evolved at the same pace and certainly the legislative environment hasn't evolved at the same pace. Um, employment issues, consultancy, those sorts of dynamics. We've done an awful lot of work in uh, former Eastern European bloc countries where you know there's lots of math graduates, they are they're a, a significant point for outsourcing over there. But how that actually stacks up into a clean bill of health from an IP perspective is a, is a fascinating area. And on a very dull but uh, a practical basis, FDI, foreign direct investment rules, that is an emerging regulatory regime which is creating a complete nightmare across the world. There is no one roadmap um, and, and increasingly people need to be prepared to be opportunistic, buy wherever the assets are, but then taking into account that they may have problems you know, unforeseen because these regulations simply did not exist before and then we don't have a sort of you know, a clean panoply approach from the European Union or whatever which makes it easy. It'll come, but it's not there yet. Um, and so that is making deal-making uh, uncertain from both the buy side and sell side. And if you're doing uh, work with big tech players, um, that can create, the, they, they carry their own issues. And, and similarly, the PE funds, because of the limited partners, that carries its own issues and each, each jurisdiction requires its own analysis. So th there's, there's plenty to chew on from our perspective. It isn't sadly making it any easier from a deal-doing perspective. Yeah. And I think uh, Ed, Ed touched on it there, that there, there's this need to be ready for whatever might fall out of the tree. The apple falls from the tree, you want to be ready to catch it. And we're working very closely with our clients, be it in uh, refreshing their M&A strategies or preparing what we call their M&A ecosystem, all the things that need to work together for an M&A deal to go well and then the integration to go well uh, in order to, to realise that value. It's about being ready. We don't know what will come. Uh, in this kind of market, there'll be opportunities that will come, be it from a, 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 the, the misfortune of a, of a competitor, or it might be a, a release of funds and new funds coming into the market that we, you know, a, a client can take advantage of. And we're all about ensuring that they're ready to take that, uh, that uh, opportunity and make the most of it uh, for themselves and, and, and all their stakeholders. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Omar. Thanks so much, Ed. To, uh, and to take that final thought there about being prepared in what is such a fast-moving industry. The, the, the tech sector will continue to lead the way in terms of its speed. So our conversation today was just a flavour around the issues of uh, tech, M&A, the corporate world, which is explored in more detail in our Tech Index. Thanks very much. <laughs>